Widener has it. How about those two freshmen from right here in Nebraska? Yeah, I love the poise right now by Widener. She is running the tempo. Scoggin throws underneath. Markowski rolls, and it counts. From 10-11 now. Nebraska wins four games in this homestand. They improved to 17-4. and four. And the 10-11 studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. They've got six threes already. And it's 26 to 13. And, and, and just a, a, a bad stretch of basketball. We take- this is the End Report Podcast. Where's your head, Mr. Husker Hoops Reunion Recognition Guy? You're going to hear the horn. That'll be the game. And the Huskers beaten by 24 points at home. Final score, Northwestern 87, Nebraska 63. Welcome on in to the End Report Podcast. It is Monday, February 7th, as always, joined by 1011 Sports Director Kevin Suits. Kevin, should we start with the good, with the bad, with the winning weekend for the Suits household? We don't need to go there, but it was a good weekend. Uh, Let's just get the bad stuff out of the way now. Okay. Right? Just start there. Then we can just finish on a high note, and we'll feel really good about the week ahead for Husker Hoops and any other Husker... uh, Unfoldings that happen over the next oh, so couple no of days. Uh, no jolly banter to start off. Just let's just well we're dive. both wearing purple shirts, so that's that's unique it's for a Monday day here at 10:11. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hopefully uh, we do have a calendar. Sometimes people ask us that we do have a calendar. Uh, Taryn Vanderford does it every month. But the trick is with the color calendar, Bill. Is it's not necessarily the shirt we have to wear. It just has to be included somehow into the wardrobe that day. I feel like it's more designed for women than men. Probably. I mean, we're, we have it pretty easy. It's kind of like white shirt and find a tie that yeah, has we just, that color in it. And even if it's blue day, that doesn't mean you have to wear a blue tie. For us, we could wear a blue shirt, red tie. You know, we, we have versatility here. here. Uh, but it's purple day. We're gonna and when in doubt, just wear black. <laughs> Did you Can't see there, there was a sportscaster who, this was a few years ago, he wore the same suit for like three weeks. Yeah, straight. I think this was in Australia. Yeah. I don't know where it was, but it's quite comical that, you know, sometimes. Same suit jacket, every newscast for a year. Was it that, that I long? I think that was the, I th- I, I, one of our listeners can, can write in if, if this is incorrect, but I think it was same suit jacket for a year, never had one comment, email, Facebook message about it. And then, of course, his co-anchor, who was a woman, would just get, Comments and messages right. every day about something about our wardrobe. Well, yeah. the it is a different life for men and women in this business. Well, no is, doubt about that. That's uh, an understatement, in fact, though. But for for the men, the black suit, it's pretty versatile. It Just is, switch up the shirt, switch up the tie. Even throw a blue tie with a black suit, and then you can really mix it up, look uh-huh, different right. every day. But yet, the the coat is the same. A little bit of the inside in the TV biz. Uh, but this this is the radio world. This is the podcast world. Uh, so let's let's go to. Uh, 6-17, and 0-12 oh in conference play. At one point, Kevin, this weekend, Nebraska was down 87-52 to 52 at home on reunion weekend to Northwestern, the third worst team in the Big Ten. We said we were going to start at the low point, and here it is. <laughs> I figured I'd just go low. I, tw- I, tw- I tweeted out, is this rock bottom of the Hoiberg era? Those rock bottom conversations, and sadly, Nebraska fans have had to have a few too many of those 
discussions over the past few Seems years. Seems like that shovel can always dig a little Not deeper. just basketball-wise, but also football-wise. Uh, is it rock bottom? Bill, it's so hard to say. Because every defeat just feels like a gut punch. It, it, well, maybe not even, that may not even be true. Because I really feel, and one thing that I think we've tried to do over the past few weeks is get a gauge for the fan base. What, what do they feel? And they don't feel really anything. I think it's a lot of apathy. They're so checked out. Yeah. We've heard a lot of stories of longtime season ticket holders that vowed and never renew their season tickets again. They're not going. They're giving their tickets away. Well, I kind of, I look at myself as a gauge. I, you know, beginning of the season, I am looking at my calendar for the next week. When does Nebraska play? Can I find a way to watch it? Do I need a DVR it? And this weekend, I was laying in bed because I just got the kids down for a nap, and I went, oh, yeah, Nebraska's playing Northwestern right now. I wonder what the score is. And it was the end of the first half, so you can imagine what happened when I flipped on my TV is I <laughs> turned it on and left it on in the background and then took a nap. And that was a Saturday noon game. That yeah. was one of the games that was kind of in a prime spot for you to make a day of it, perhaps a weekend of it. But the crowd on Saturday was not good. The crowds in these recent games, Bill, they have been, uh, they, they've been sad. You know, going back to the Indiana game. But which if you look was, at listed attendance, it still says 15,000 plus. There sure. were not 15,000 people at PBA. Just watch the lower bowl. It's so spotty. And even the student section, that's what's really difficult. When you can't fill the student section, which is what fills up most of the background from the television broadcast, just on the standard shot that goes back and forth as the play moves from left to right. When you see a handful of open seats, that's, that's not a good sign. I, I mentioned that Indiana game. That was unique because Nebraska played on Martin Luther King Day, and it was a 5 o'clock start. That was unique. So it was almost like, well, you can attribute some of the lack of attendance to the they're playing on a holiday, and it's at a unique start time. But ever since then, it's never recovered. And even prior to that, Bill, there were empty seats in part because students were on break and the Huskers were playing over the holiday season. So forget the attendance number on what it says on the box score. And we're trying to gauge how fans feel about this season. I would contend that they don't feel anything. They're done. And sadly, this is supposed to be the fun time because teams are going to start jockeying for seating for the Big Ten tournament. There's going to be bubble talk. You know, Creighton's going to be a part of that conversation. In the Big Ten, right now this week, Purdue and Illinois play on Tuesday. That's going to be an amazing game. And so you flip on some of these other games across the Big Ten, across college basketball. Duke, North Carolina was this past mm -hmm. Saturday. It just looks so fun. But here locally, it's like college basketball almost doesn't even exist. At least on the men's side. And we'll, we'll get to the women later in the podcast who are having about, you know, the opposite. That's the good part. We're saving right. that for we'll the end here. Save that for the end. But, yeah, the, the worst thing that can happen to an athletic program, I would argue, is apathy. I think you would rather have anger over apathy because then you have passion. I don't know if you have a whole lot of passion right now for Nebraska men's basketball. So the question is, how did it cross over into that? Because Nebraska recently, outside of Saturday, they had been competitive in some of the games over the past two weeks. You think about the Rutgers game in which Nebraska led nearly the entire time. 
they just melted down at the end. And then they went on the road and they hung with Michigan and there was Almost a controversial call. So though the record is 0-12 in Big Ten play, there have been examples over the past few weeks in which the Huskers are right there with conference opponents. Yet when they play at home at this stage of the season, the attendance doesn't show. And, and we just get this feeling from the fan base that, you know, even the close games aren't enough to string people along. I question and wonder, and you can answer this as a fan, the nature of these losses, have you not wanted to watch just because you don't, you don't want to get hurt again? Because they, let's be honest, in your Husker soul, it's hurt this basketball season. The but, four it, but again, is it is it hurt or is it just, well, I didn't really expect anything different. So, you know, I, I, there's the argument out there of, and I don't want to get, I don't want to dive into the really should Hoiberg stay, should Hoiberg go thing. Um, but I will say that I think a lot of the apathy has to do with this $18.5 million buyout because Husker fans look at that and they say, well, how can an athletic department that's trying to build a brand new facility and is already looking for donor money for that, how can they afford to go ask a donor for $18.5 million to get a new basketball coach? And so Husker fans, are a lot of them are resigned to the fact that they're going to try this all over again next year. So there's no, there's no anxiety about what could happen in the offseason. There's think, an acceptance that. I think there's just an acceptance, right. That this and, is where the program right is wrong. at. I mean, and this I mean, there is the are coach. A, lot of, a lot of people think Koiberg deserves a fourth season because Frost has coached four seasons. Um, but, yeah, I just think, yeah, acceptance. We are not basketball experts, and we won't even try to fake being a basketball expert, you know, I will admit my my hoops IQ isn't the best. I enjoy this sport. I feel like I know a little bit about the sport and trying to identify what's the problem with this team and why the losing streak continues to happen. It's it's puzzling to me. And again, I'm not going to pretend to know the answer, but team basketball seems to not really apply to this team. They have talent. I really believe that this team does have some talent. Look at Bryce McGowan's this week, despite not winning a Big Ten game, Bryce McGowan just won his fifth Big Ten Freshman of the Week honor. He's going to leave after this year, right? I would. I mean, he's projected as a first-round first round draft pick. I have a hard time believing that NIL money at Nebraska could match what you're going to make as a first-round draft pick. But getting back to the point you were making, and we were discussing about like what's what's the problem of this team. You know, is it the mentality of the team? Is it the culture that is in place with this coaching staff? Is it, I don't think they're devoid of talent. No, I mean, you heard uh, Coach Hoiberg say at the beginning of the year that this is the most talent he had had on a Nebraska roster. That's shooting he had had on a Nebraska yeah. roster. You know, you wonder if it just, it just didn't gel, if, you know, the play in Alonzo Verge at point guard hasn't, hasn't worked out as well as they had hoped. Uh, Kopi Webster has has had a down year, really, outside of that second half against Creighton. Um, I want to get to what he had to say and what C.J. Wilcher had to say after the game on Saturday, uh, because I really think it puts things into perspective. You know, we were still in it. It was 14-13, I think, with about 13 minutes to go. You know, even though we weren't playing great, I thought, you know, we're in it. We're going to find a way to get going. Uh, but the overall urgency early in that game was the thing that was so disappointing to me. And in our home building in an afternoon game and reunion weekend, you want to give 
you know, your alumni something to cheer about and be proud about. And, you know, we were awful in that area tonight. I think we just – today we just didn't come prepared. And it's sad to say. I mean, that's the honest truth. The, the players didn't um, – we, did, we didn't come ready to play. And they, they took advantage of – Northwestern took advantage of it. So. No, I didn't sense it. I, you know, it, it's something – again, as I said, we've been playing with great effort. We've been playing with great intensity. We have not obviously gotten any wins. Um, but I thought they were coming just because of the way we'd been playing. So I did not anticipate us coming out like that. We came in this morning. I thought we're sharp in, in our morning uh, walkthrough and thought that would carry over the game, but obviously it didn't. We're going to watch it and learn from it. You, ha- that you, you have to, and then we'll get out there and compete and put it behind us and try to get ready to go out and get a win on Wednesday night. So you have a coach saying – the performance was awful. You have a pl- player saying, we weren't prepared. I hate to say it. We just didn't come prepared. This, on top of, you know, we haven't really addressed this on the End Report podcast. We can for a minute or two here. On top of, you know, three weeks ago, Kobe Webster going on a radio station and talking about accountability and how can players hold each other accountability if they're not getting that from the coaching staff. You know, do you bring up the argument, like, has the coaching staff lost the locker room? At 0-12 in conference play, have you lost the locker room? Is it, well, is it every can, man for himself? I believe you can still have a handle on the locker room and still be in this mental fog that you're not allowed. You just prevent yourself from performing well. You can still have the locker room and lose games. So that's an interesting question, Bill. Have they lost a lot? Well, the first sign of it was Kobe Webster's comments about – the players being held accountable when the coach isn't being held accountable. I'm paraphrasing his quote, by the way, but that's essentially the context of it. So clearly there's a little bit of friction somehow between the players and this coaching staff. And we want to include the entire coaching staff, not just Fred Hoiberg. Obviously, he is the target of much of the criticism right now. So they have seven games left, perhaps eight if they can reschedule Ohio State. Uh, one of the games they missed due to the COVID pause. Let's not forget they had a COVID pause. I mean, what kind of toll did that take on this team? They're 0-12 in conference play. On Wednesday, they have Minnesota. Minnesota happens to be 13th in the Big Ten. Of course, Nebraska 14th in Big Ten standings. Uh, can they get one at home? Can they be 1-12? How many people will be there? Because that's the one thing that a lot of people fell it's on an 8 last year. It's game on a weeknight. Right. And that's one thing that a lot of folks brought up last year, you know, when they went on the skids and they had some issues. There was so much of an argument. Of, well, if the fans were there, the PBA crowd could have helped them win a few games. Well, now the PBA crowd can be there, but yet they're choosing not to, given the way that this season has played out. So up ahead, you know, Fred made this comment on Friday, Bill, as he was kind of relaying to the fans his, his take and, I'll be honest, I even had in my script that night, I used the term lip service and how some fans may receive his comments as lip service. I deleted it because I'm going to let people make their own conclusions. But he was saying some things that sometimes fall on deaf ears, especially when your record is what Nebraska's currently is. But the reality of it is, there are a lot of folks that no matter what Fred says, it's not going to change the perception of him or this team. And when you combine those two things, that's where you have the lack of crowd. That's why I always go back to this attendance and what's the vibe, because I do think it represents the state of the fan base. Because if you don't have the fans behind you, what do you have? 
coaches and players, and that's it. But that's not what this is about. And there were fans leaving at halftime. Right. I mean, I think you had a, a half-decent showing. You had a Saturday noon game. You had a chance of winning. I think you had a lot of families there. You know, it you was a lot of families leave. Fred made the comment that it was reunion weekend. I found that surprising because it seemed like there was no publicity or no uh, support. Right, we knew about the special uniforms. Where I didn't know. Was... There was hardly anything said about we're going to salute some of our former players. I don't know if that was just something that they did internally, but you know, it also pro- means Trev Alberts was in the building and watching. Well, this everything. program has basketball players to celebrate, and sometimes on these reunion weekends they get. You know, a player that has gone overseas to come back. And then it's your opportunity to salute them and welcome them back to Lincoln. I think that's one thing that Nebraska's athletic department just in general does a really good job of. Look at the spring game every year. Yes, fans want to go watch this year's team, but it's outside of the NFL season. So they have a line of like 10 to 15 NFL guys that come back to watch the spring game. And it becomes a really cool moment during the red-white scrimmage when they salute Kenny Bell, and Amir Abdullah, and Will Compton, and we could keep on going down the line. Guessing they're trying to get a maybe a coach to come back for the spring game this year. That would be nice. But with this basketball team, you could bring back players that have name recognition that fans would love to see and celebrate. But yet there was nothing. I think they honored Art Maxey, player from decades ago. Yeah. But you could maybe attracted more fans to go to the game knowing that Art was there in attendance. Yeah. Or we didn't. You know, given the record of Nebraska, you should be looking for anything to encourage people to come watch the team and to be attached to. But that didn't happen. And that that to me, I think that's that doesn't sit well with Nebraska basketball fans, I don't believe. I'll go with a uh Segway then, you're talking about, you know, history and what they did in honoring the reunion team. You know me, I like my numbers, so I, I did a little diving before the podcast, and I crunched the records of every Husker basketball coach since Danny Knee and the first three seasons, their first three seasons as Husker head coaches. Danny Knee, 51-46, and 46, a 5-2-6 winning percentage. Barry Collier, 43-48. and 48, 473 winning percentage. Doc Sadler, 55 and 40, a 579 winning percentage. Tim Miles, 47 and 49, a 480 winning percentage. Of course, he went to the tournament in his second year, but his third uh, his third season they really fell off. Fred Hoiberg, so far, 20 and 62 for a 244 winning percentage. What that means, I, and again. The math doesn't add up exactly. But in order to match the lowest winning percentage, which was Barry Collier at .473, Fred Hoiberg would have to win 37 games in a row to get to a 473 winning percentage. How many Power 5 wins does Fred have in his two and a half years? Nebraska is 5-46 and 46 in Big Ten play. Wow. Now, granted, this isn't all apples to apples. Nebraska's in the Big Ten, which is tougher than the Big 12. And sometimes Tim you Miles have to, coached solely in the Big Ten. And sometimes you have to look at what each coach inherited. Tim Miles' first three seasons in the Big Ten, he won 21 games. He was 21 and 33. 
Fred Hoiberg's first three seasons, five and 46. So Tim Miles had four times as many wins. Who had a better starting point, Tim Miles or Fred Hoiberg? Tim Miles did. You know, Fred's first season Without, was, and, was very challenging. Let's not forget about that. I mean, first season was challenging. Complete, complete overhaul. COVID hey, starts si- coming in towards the end of the right. year. And then last year is just dominated by COVID along with a month gap where Nebraska didn't play basketball in the middle of the season. This year, another overhaul, but you bring in a five-star, the team's first ever five-star recruit, who has proven to be five-time Big Ten freshman of the freshman of the week. Uh, but it's just, it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot. It is, and I think that, you know, one of the, con- to put some of these numbers in context, though, that's, that's good research. Thank you for sharing that, by the way. That Fred has tried to put the roster together by bringing in, I don't mean this in any disrespect, but it's the island of misfit toys. You know, for well, Rudolph the Red. Free agency. Exactly. So it's, they are taking a player from here and a player from there and a player from here and, and just hoping that they can mold them together. Now, granted, Hoiberg was able to do this at Iowa State at a very high success rate. Well, he was doing it when nobody else was. Right. And now the game has changed a little bit. But I do believe that Collier, Doc, Tim, it was more... We're, we're going to try to build the team around chemistry, even though, especially with Doc. And they his all have, teams were not yeah. the most talented teams, but, man, his teams played so hard, so hard. They were and often at the top or near the top in Big 12 in defense. Like the team that so had many Lance 55 G- to 44 games. Yeah, the yeah. team that had Lance Jeter and Ade Daganduro and Steve Harley. Those dudes hung with Kansas, Kansas State, Texas. Like, night in, night out, they gave everything. And it's almost like the mentality then, and I even that, I think this applies to Danny Nee and Barry Collier, was you know we may not have the five-star. We've got a bunch of lower-ranked players, but we're going to get them to believe the system and give everything they have. And now, in the current state of the program, it's a little bit opposite. I'm not saying these guys don't try hard. I'm going to let other people take their, you know, take their eyes on the product and make their own conclusions. But they have more star power, yet the team doesn't seem to have the output in terms of effort as some of those others. Okay, I want to get to women here uh, before we run out of time. So let's just go. We're, this is the midseason grades podcast. What's the grade for Nebraska men's basketball? It's an F, Bill. It's an F. They you have failing. zero conference wins through 12 conference games. It has to be an F. Well, and plus... You could evaluate this differently if there wasn't this Husker opening night in which John Rothstein came in and emceed it and was gushing about the team. And then the video that came out before the season hyping these guys up there. Andy Katz picking him to make the tournament. I was going to go there next. The expectations were put at that level, and this team hasn't even sniffed what others thought the potential of this team would be. So you open the season with a loss to Western Illinois, putting those things together that this season and and it's been a failure in many regards, not just from the record, which stands for itself, but also some of the internal dynamics that have been at play here this season. Can that grade improve? Yes, it can. It is not murderer's row to finish the season. Nebraska has Minnesota two games against Iowa, Maryland, Northwestern again, Penn State and Wisconsin. 
Can they get two or three? Yeah, why not? They got the talent to do it. Fred says get over the hump. And he also says they need to have a winner's mentality. And he thinks once you get a couple, it could start snowballing. Does that sound familiar? We said earlier that it's, it could fall on deaf ears. And part of the reason this doesn't play into Fred Hoiberg and his coaching staff's favor, but this is a message that was delivered in the fall by a different team on campus. And fans were just tired of hearing it. And a lot so of there's, similarities. There, that's where the deaf ears kind of come into play here. And that, frankly, they, you know, the fans just want to see a different result. Let's move on to the women. They are 17 and five, six and five in Big Ten play. Uh, tough loss to Maryland. They were down big at halftime. They crawled back a little bit. Uh, lost by 15 though on Sunday. Uh, but that was after a four-game win streak. Kevin, four home games in eight days. They didn't play a lot of hard, tough teams. That was kind of bottom of the half of the Big Ten teams that they played. But four games in eight days, while starting a second semester of school. That's a heck of a job by the women's team. Yeah, they won the games they're supposed to. And it came, those four straight wins came immediately following a three-game losing streak and then a pause because of COVID. So, uh, and that's tough on the coaches. Amy Williams shared some information with us uh, about how their coaching had to take a change, not only during the pause because they were down to as few as six players at one practice, but also when they returned, it was game off, game off, game off. So they were not even watching film of their games the next day because it was so immediate that they scout the other team and come up with their plan. And this is one thing that the staff, I think, at Nebraska is really good at. Chuck Love and, the, and Amy Williams and Tom Gailey, like they're so good at diagnosing what opponents' tendencies are and then identifying ways to attack them. And so they were essentially going straight from one game into the film room and getting on to the next opponent. It's a grind. Yeah, and then that's, that was exhausting. And then after that fourth game in eight days, I asked Amy, well, what do you do tomorrow? The players were taking the day off because they admittedly were exhausted. Amy went on the road recruiting. She was exhausted too, but she knows that what are they, the grind doesn't stop or whatever. So Amy just kept on plugging away. And they will get to catch their breath for a little bit because they were on the road at Maryland and they don't play again till Thursday. They'll be back on the road again for their next game at Ohio State. But if you're looking for a women's basketball game to attend, the next time they're at home, that's going to be against Indiana, a top five opponent on Valentine's Day, 6 o'clock at Pinnacle Bank Arena. More fans for women Monday, 6 o'clock on Valentine's Day versus Indiana or for Nebraska-Minnesota this Wednesday? Great question. Oh, I don't know. I think, I, think you, I think you'll probably have more for the women's game. If they win the next two, I think that that's very and fair. And deserving, I mean, deservingly so. Kevin, this, this team is fun to watch. We, we talked about the men being a, being a, a team of... Uh, players, a team of, like of individuals. This feels more of, of a team with a team mentality. I mean, the Husker bench mob is back with uh, Whitney, Whitney, Brown. Whitney Brown, Nebraska native. And then you're, you're being led by two true freshmen, Allison Widener and Alexis Markowski. Yeah, not to repeat what we've said on this podcast before, but this team is very likable. And it starts with the in-state players. You just mentioned the three most notable ones. Alexis Markowski, now a six-time Big Ten Freshman of the Week. She's going to win Conference Freshman of the Year. 
Allison Widener from Class D2 basketball up in Humphrey, Nebraska. Some folks didn't know like how long it would take for her to start contributing for the. The answer is right away. Those two young ladies have played in every game this season. There's only about four players that have appeared in every game this year for Amy Williams' team, and two of them are freshmen from the state. And then don't leave out Whitney Brown. She's taken a reduced role. She played more last She's year. Played a lot and now has had less playing time because of some of the additions to the roster, and that's where I'm going next. So you have some homegrown talent that these fans seem attached to because they're from Grand Island, they're from Lincoln, they're from Humphrey. And then you add in a few very likable personalities that are really good ball players, like Jazz Shelley. I mean, she alone, just from a basketball perspective, is a phenomenal player. Good defense, likes to distribute the ball, almost passes too much, and then can hit some long-range shots. She had a double-double the other day. Without in, points. Without points, with rebounds and assists. Uh, it's hard to find a player who hustles on the basketball court more than Jazz Shelley. And, of course, the one name we're leaving out here is Sam Hybe, who consistently all year in the fourth quarter when Nebraska needs a bucket, who do they go to? She's the go-to. And she is as competitive as they come. And oh, by the way, they have three players that are from Australia and that are just a pleasure to listen to because they have their fun <laughs> accents, right? They're 19th in the net rankings. They started the season 12-0. and 0, six and, uh, Yeah, right? They started the season 12-0. and 0. Yep. Um, six, six uh, five and five cents um, as they got into Big Ten play. 19th in the net rankings. <laughs> Still never been ranked in the AP rankings. Uh, is this a tournament team? Absolutely. I think that at this point in the season, this is how it goes down with Big Ten women's basketball. You have a few elite teams, and those teams being Maryland, Indiana, and Michigan. Then you have a group of highly competitive teams that will likely all make the tournament. Nebraska is in that group, and then you have some of the teams toward the bottom of the conference that are struggling. That Nebraska just played a few of them. But the point is, Nebraska, they even had a game against Rutgers last week, scored 50 total points, found a way to win. They won. That's the bottom line. As ugly as it was and as dirty as maybe it felt for the coaching staff, they applauded their team's effort to still win despite shooting 27%. Yeah. They set basketball back a few years in that game, but they won, and that's really... Gene Hackman would have been proud. Yeah, that's what it's going to take, you know, to... It's another, because that would have been on the NCAA tournament resume where they list the good wins and the bad losses. That would have been a bad loss, but they avoided that. So that's where I confidently believe that this women's basketball team will make the NCAA tournament. Looking at the rest of their season, on the road, back-to-back -back this week, Ohio State and Illinois. That's a Thursday, Saturday, and then Monday. So what is, that's it's another stretch where they're playing three games in five days, including two road games. You know, come at... Listen, if you come out of that one and two and not 0 oh and three, I think, I think you look at that as, as kind of even. And then you go Penn State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Northwestern as you finish the year. Uh, you have a winning record of the Big Ten. You get four or five more wins, then you're, you're 22 and nine, you know, 23 and eight maybe as you finish the season. It's tough to leave a power conference team with that kind of record out of the, out of the tourney. I don't know this for a fact right now, but as I'm looking at the schedule, I believe over the next seven games for Nebraska women's basketball, two have a winning record. So they're in a stretch to continue to pile up more wins. Uh, and that was, 
That was one and of the. And they don't face Caitlin Clark again, at least not until well, the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, that was one of the things that that three-game losing streak. There was no discouragement there because they were competitive, and those three games were against three of the best teams in the conference. So it's like, oh, we're all right, and there was no panic. And I think you see that not only from the totality of the season, Bill, but also in the midst of a game. They've had, win- they've had leads that have been 12, 15 points, whittled all the way down to one or two, and then this team just does not have a freakout factor. And they, I like that. No they, freak out. They factor. don't have a freak out factor. They're very even. And I think some of that goes to a player you mentioned just a few minutes ago, Sam Hybe. Just a veteran player who's really competitive, who can come up with a big moment at any moment. And, you know, she's just seen and played a lot of basketball. And I think her and this coaching staff is in such great rhythm. She knows what is expected of the coaching staff and what they want out of her. And she produces more times than not. Okay. Women's grade. Mid-season grade. Yeah, I go, I'm going to go A. You know, this has been a pleasantly fun season. Uh, they have exceeded a lot of expectations. And plus, a lot of folks didn't know exactly what to expect for this team. And one of the main pieces in which I grade this women's basketball team at the beginning of February so highly is because of the production of these freshmen. Not only have they helped their skills get better, but they have found ways to get them on the court. They have found ways to make sure that these newcomers come in and have great chemistry with the parts around them. And they are producing at a high level. They are trustworthy players just 20-plus games into their careers. Jazz, Jazz Shelley is only a sophomore. Right. I mean, this team's going to be fun to watch for a while. I think I'd probably go B-plus, just tough to, give, tough to give an A unless you're you know undefeated or with one or two losses in conference play. Um, but they've just been, they've been a, a great surprise, a pleasant surprise, and they're, and they're fun to watch. And, and they're, you know, especially in a in a you know basketball season with the men doing as poorly as they are, the women giving Husker fans something to believe in, something to hope for, and you know maybe some basketball to watch in March. It's exciting. Yeah. If this wasn't happening, this would be some pretty trying <laughs> times for Husker Nation. Of course, you could point toward the wrestling team, which is having a really good year. But man, they just had to go compete against number three and number one in the country. And, you know, I was at the duel against um, Michigan on Friday night, and, you know, they lost by seven in the duel. But every one of those individual bouts was so close, went down to the wire. Had some upsets in there. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, oh, by the way, since we brought up wrestling, quick plug because the Big Ten Wrestling Championships are here in Lincoln in March. That's going to be something that you will hear a lot about as it gets closer to that time, and there is going to be a big push from the university to try to get a lot of people in the seats. What's one of the things behind that push? Alcohol sales. That's in front of the Board of Regents on Friday. Basically changing the framework and how the university could allow alcohol at events. This would not immediately affect basketball, football, baseball. The only thing it would immediately affect is the Big Ten Wrestling Championships, which are at Pinnacle Bank Arena, which already has the ability and the infrastructure to make that a seamless transition. You think it's going to happen? In other sports? In wrestling. Do I think it'll pass? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, th- I don't think they would have brought it forward. Um, I don't think Trev Alberts brings something like that forward without a little bit of an inclination that, that it's going to pass. He's got Ted Carter's support. Uh, which, I mean, he, he I haven't seen a statement from Ronnie Green, but I have to believe he has Ronnie Green's support. Obviously, the athletic department is behind it. 
Uh, and then you just, where does it go from there? It becomes a lot easier to change the rules for football, for basketball, for baseball, for volleyball, for all sports, if that is something you want to do. Do I see that happening this year in those sports? No. Uh, but it'll be an interesting trial run. All right. For Kevin Suits, I'm Bill Shammer. Thank you for listening to the End Report podcast. Please uh, download, subscribe, rate. We'd love five stars from you. Until next week, we'll see you. You've been listening to the End Report podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app.